Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast exploring the ties that bind Jews in Nebraska to Israel through culture, identity, and current events. Hosted by Liz Felstern in Israel and me, Alan Potash in Omaha. Liz, how are you today? Hey, Alan. I'm great today. How are you? I'm great. So today, Liz, you and I will be speaking with former Omaha Bob Goldberg, currently Executive Director of the Jewish Federation of Greater Des Moines. Bob recently led a group of people on a solidarity mission to Israel, and we want to ask him some questions about that. So, Bob, welcome to our podcast. Hope you're doing well. Thank you very much for having me. We're lucky to have you. Um, so, Bob, just a quick overview. How is it that you were man- that how you managed to take a group of people to Israel during COVID and conflict in Israel? Well, the, 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 the true story is that on Friday afternoon, about three weeks ago, I got a call from a friend at the Council General's office in Chicago, our buddy Daniel, who said, Bob, it would be really great if you went to Israel to show solidarity and took a couple people with you. And I said, Daniel, I love that idea. When are you thinking about? He said, now. I said, now? Like now, now? He said, yeah, like now, now. And so fortunately, uh, the timing worked out well. Our board meets uh, every other month on a Sunday morning. And that Sunday morning happened to be our board meeting. And I brought it to our board. And our board was completely supportive and believed that it was the right thing to do. So by Monday night, we had seven tickets purchased. And we had a group, two of our rabbis, our incoming board president, a board member, myself, uh, and a couple other people were committed to go. And then from that point, we had to figure out where we were staying, how we were getting around, and what we were going to do. But we knew that the focus of our time was to be spent with our friends in our partnership region of the Western Galilee, in Akko and Mata Asher, to be with them, to hear from them, to learn from them, and to really throw our collective communal arms around them uh, to show that we care. So what, what's it like with a matter of hours to arrange a trip to Israel? I take it you did this on your own or did you hire a high-class high uh, travel agent to help you with this? I did do this on my own. Um, you know, listen, once the tickets are purchased, luckily I've been a part of partnership for, for a long time now and have amazing friendships and we're really able to leverage those friendships. So Uh, The first thing that we did was started to reach out to our friends in Israel to let them know that we're coming. And we started to ask for people to be available to provide home hospitality. I reached out to a friend of mine who is a travel agent or a tour guide there in Israel, asked if he could be available to drive us around. Uh, He was thrilled to get out of the house for the first time in a year and a half. Um, So we then had transportation. We had a driver. We had some home hospitality. And we reached out to our partnership team and said, here's what we're coming to do. Help us plan some some visits. Um, subsequently, things just kind of came together. It was, it was a rush. It was a little bit stressful because we had to apply for what was called the special entry visa through the government of Israel. In order to do that, we had to uh, provide proof that we had all been vaccinated. Uh, And then there were a tremendous amount of COVID-related hurdles that we had to uh, get over to get into the country and get out of the country. Uh, And I will tell you that our group took 
six COVID tests in a matter of a week. And it was easier to get into Israel than it was to get out. Our, our departure was delayed by a couple of days because of COVID protocols, which caused some stress and anxiety on the part of our group. But we worked through it and um, we, we suffered through two extra days in Tel Aviv on the beach, doing some extra shopping, eating shawarma and gelato. Well, thank you for taking a group to Israel at this time. Liz, any, any questions for Bob before I go through a, a list of questions? Yeah, I'm just fascinated, you know, being here in Israel and knowing how um, visitor-less we have been for the past year and a half, you know, which is very un-Israeli. We're used to so many people from all over the world coming all over the coming all the time. And it's been like freakishly eerily quiet without such visitors. I wonder just what it was like for, you know, you mentioned the driver who was happy to get out of the house for the first time after a year and a half. Did it feel like you were coming to places and people who were totally out of practice with how to socialize and how to host? Well, I don't know about out of, how to, out of practice of how to socialize, but I will tell you this. When we first arrived and we went to our hotel in Tel Aviv, um, the, the gentleman at the hotel saw us walk in, said hello, heard us talking, and he said with a very quizzical, kind of skeptical, Americans? And we nodded. Americans? Americans! He was so <laughs> excited to have Americans back. And, and so I think it was very meaningful. The, 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 the people in the hotel were, were Israelis. The beach was full. The, 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 the bars and the, and the shops and the restaurants in Tel Aviv were full. But you're right. It was all Israelis. Um, so I think that it was very welcoming um, to them to see tourists, to see us back there. And I would tell you also that for our friends in the, in the partnership region, not only did they come out to see us, I think our, came, our coming brought them out to see each other again for the first time, mm -hmm. which was really heartwarming. This has been uh, just an incredible couple of weeks. So you arrived shortly after the conflict with Hamas was concluding, but also the civil unrest within the country. Uh, Omaha and Des Moines, we share a partnership region in the Western Galilee. You talked about visiting people there. What was it like visiting uh, people in Akko, Matashir, Western Galilee? It was, it was both heartwarming and challenging and, and very unique. You know, the purpose of our, our trip there was really to communicate to them, you are not alone, right? We, we hear you, we see you, we support you, and we're here for you. Um, we met with business and civic leaders and, Mata Sher in Akko and the region, Jewish leaders, Arab leaders. Um, we wanted to understand what happened in those two days of riots there. We saw a lot of the destruction firsthand. What we came away with was an understanding that in, in 50, for 50 years, Akko has been a city where um, people of all religions get along pretty well. And today, still, the adults, city leaders get along. They know each other. They have good relations. But the youth, it's a different story. 
the Arab and Jewish kids go to different schools. Um, and the violence that happened in Akko, as was told to us time and time again, was caused by a couple hundred of Arab youth between the ages of 16 and 20. And their faith leaders, their civic leaders, their business leaders uh, all condemned it. They, they all felt horrible about it. And they all know that the trust has been um, shattered to some extent and that they have a lot of work to do to rebuild that trust, not just to rebuild the physical spaces in Akko that were destroyed. And there are several of them. What's interesting is as, as the youth rioted in the old city of Akko and destroyed Jewish businesses, um, they didn't touch the synagogue. The, the Arab community in the old city of Akko did not let them uh, do any damage to the synagogue. They didn't do any damage to mezuzot on the, on the walls, of the doors. Um, but the damage is significant. But I think there's a, there's a belief amongst all of them that, that there's only one option, and that is to move forward, and that is to develop more significant, tangible friendships between the communities. We heard from the Sheikh of Akko, who, who, who was also a teacher in the school, who, who said he, he hollered out to the parents, get your kids back home. Um, but we heard horrific stories of rioting and damage caused by people who were merely wanting to instigate trouble. Um, we heard from Uri Jeremias of uh, Uri Buri Restaurant, who has a staff of 60 people who very intentionally staff is both Arab and Jewish and Christian. Um, he's moved his restaurant to a temporary pop-up spot to keep his team together, to keep providing for the community. Uh, his Effendi Hotel was damaged extensively. Uh, there was a death um, of a researcher who was staying in a room at the Effendi who died uh, from the fire that was caused there. Um, we met at one time with a uh, the Arab is um, deputy mayor of Akko, who is part of the Islamic Ram Party, uh, which is part of Mansour Abbas's party, which is currently part of the ruling coalition, and a fellow city councilman who is a Likud member. And they are very good friends. They said they love each other. And we got to visit with them about what happened. And while they both share the belief that there is only one path forward, that they have to find a way to, to have a shared life, not even coexistence, a shared life. Um, they don't agree necessarily on exactly what happened and what were the causes and what was the blame, but they're committed to working together, finding ways to bring the youth of the community together in a way to help formulate relationships. And then they believe once they can establish relationships, then they can talk about the difficulties within politics. Um, it was challenging. It was very challenging. Some of our friends in the partnership region who they themselves have spent decades working on coexistence, uh, their faith in that is shattered. Uh, there is a sense that Akko may not be a place that's inhabitable for Jews in the future if this is allowed to continue. Um, there are people who are close friends who have said this is the first time in their life that they're not sure that that they can live there anymore uh, because of the skepticism 
on, on being safe there. So it's challenging, but I think that uh, for us to be able to be with them, to listen to them, to hear religious leaders, city leaders, community leaders speak uh, both with skepticism, but hopefulness, I think uh, was healthy. Uh, I think they have a big lift in front of them. Um, go ahead, Liz. I was just going to say, uh, you know, I think everything that you said, Bob, is, is really important and helpful for people to, to understand and try and wrap their heads around, you know, what happened and how could this happen? Um, and the sentiments of friendship and, and coexistence and moving forward are all really important pieces of that puzzle. But I also want to go back to one thing that you said in particular, which I think it's important for people to realize in terms of that in the vast majority of cases, and this is true not just in ACO, but in the rest of the country as well, that uh, in, in large part, if not entirely, the, the riots and the, the violence were instigated by, by young people. And, and there are reasons for that. You know, uh, throughout Israel, the percentage of young uh, Arabs and Palestinians who are not enrolled in school and are not working is extremely high. And I think that and they, they, there's a lot of talk about this problem of lost Arab youth right? That you have these young people that aren't anchored in anything. They have, they don't have someplace specific where they need to be at a certain time or something that they're working towards. And this, of course, as we can all imagine, leads to these deep rooted feelings of being disenfranchised, being not part of the society, not seeing, you know, a better future for yourself and your community. And I think that as we talk and think about ways to move forward, figuring out how to solve that, that root problem of having more educational opportunities and employment opportunities for young Arabs is going to be a really important piece of the puzzle. So a good point. Um, Bob, you're, you were also there at the time of the forming of the new government. Was there quite a bit of optimism around the change of government or um, skepticism? So first, I would never hold myself out of, as an expert in this area, but I'll tell you just what we heard and what we felt. It was, it was exciting to be there uh, to watch the political process happen. Um, um, we watched the speeches. Uh, Bennett, I think, gave a terrific speech. Uh, Lapid, I've read the transcripts of the speech he was going to give and ended up not giving. And I would recommend everybody to go online and Google it. It's available. Find it. It's powerful. It's really an exceptional speech. Um, the government is, is pretty confrontational and pretty clearly divided like a lot of governments around the world. But to see Israel take that step and put together a, a government that is so diverse with parties from the far left and the center to the far right and, and an Arab party uh, brings, I think, a lot of hope from a lot of the people that we asked. And we asked almost every taxi driver and everybody we came in contact, what did you think? And the concept, the, the, the response was always Nira, 
Nira, you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, I think there's a belief that a they needed a government, a functioning government, and it was time for change. Um, but I think there is tremendous skepticism on whether or not this coalition can be held together based on the huge diversity policy-wise. Um, we'll see. I think if they make it six weeks, if they make it six months, I think it'll be pretty amazing. I, I think if they can continue to find a way to work as a diverse group of leaders for the benefit of the whole, um, that's the way democracy should work in, in its best sense. So I'm hopeful. Uh, I think the Israelis that we spoke to, they're, they're, they're hopeful, but they're not super optimistic that it's going to work. Yeah, thank you. I want to just go back to Liz's point for a second, for a second, because um, you mentioned being with uh, Likud and a Ram party member. Do they see the opportunity with Ram being part of the government to really address the need to help the youth and unemployment throughout Israel? It didn't really come up in our conversation with them, but I think there's no question that that's you know, that's kind of like the door is cracked open a little bit. And I think the potential to really kick it in if 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 Mansour Abbas's participation in the government can show tangible benefit to the Arab Israeli population, I think it could be an incredibly positive step forward. Um, again, though, I would tell you that that they're just there's a fundamental difference of how different groups of people see the same thing and overcoming that hurdle is a huge obstacle, but I think it's hopeful. And I think, uh, I think it has the possibility of being, uh, the spark for genuine change within, within Israel for the better. Good. Liz, you, you brought up the question from the work you're doing and what you're seeing in Israel. Do you see that there's a, a desire to make a difference with, the unemployed, the young adults within the Arab and Jewish communities? So, I mean, it's not a brand new topic, right? There have been efforts and programs in that arena for a long time. But I think that this will, you know, reinforce the importance of those efforts. Since this latest, you know, civil unrest, there has been a newly formed task force specifically in partnership with several of the ministries and the prime minister's office to deal with the, to look at the issue of these lost Arab youth. Um, and, you know, I mean, right now it is, and it isn't a great time for it because we also have all of the unemployment issues from the fallout of COVID, not particular to the Arab community, right? That across Israel, at its height, there we have a million unemployed people uh, and a lot of them, it's going to be very hard for them to go back to work because businesses went a long time and got used to not having them. People got used to not working. Unemployment benefits lasted for a very long time. Um, so there are a lot of factors of just getting the whole employment complex and industry back on its feet in general. But for sure, there's a lot of effort being put into figuring out, you know, how, how much of that investment can be done specifically for the Arab community. But it's difficult because it starts all the way from, you know, Bob mentioned that 
Jews and Arabs don't go to school together, well, that means that many, many Arabs go all through their 12 years of education with almost no Hebrew. And then when you try to get a job, it's very difficult if, you know, if you don't have basic language skills. So there are a lot of factors uh, in trying to solve this, this issue of making sure that people have a way to, to better themselves, to put food on the table, to, to take care of their families. So there's uh, work for all of us to do. Bob Mona, thank you for your time today. Any final thoughts? I would just thank you for what you're doing. I would say invest in getting your people to Israel, helping to bring people together face-to-face to have conversations about what our challenges are, what our opportunities are, is the best way to build bridges, to build friendships, and to strengthen who we are as Jewish people. Thank you. Amen. And thank you for listening today to Israel Rebound, a podcast bringing uh, Jews together to learn from each other. Thank you all very much and enjoy listening.